dance competition. Oh, how May, oh, May, oh, I see May, it's April, May, dance competition. Oh, my, yeah, my granddaughter got, I think platinum is the second highest score, I think. It's second in dance. We went up Friday night to watch her dance. Boy, she's grown up, hadn't she? Who's that little girl dancing up there? And she is a ham. Oh, my. She has no fear whatsoever. She is playing to the crowd. Like, oh, man, where'd you get that from? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're so proud of her. Father, I, I add my prayers to the prayers that have already been prayed for me. Kathy and, and um, Randy prayed for me this morning, Lord, and the elders, Lord. I just, I just pray, Lord, my heart's desire is to preach a pure word that'll be helpful to your people. I don't have a lot of time, Lord, so help me to get the meat of what I want to say and what you want to say into our hearts, Lord. And if there is somebody here with eternity Laying on the line, Lord. Lord, it's your grace that gets anybody saved. So work in their hearts and let them make that great decision to follow Jesus. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, open our eyes and our ears. Amen. Amen. So it's very interesting, Charlie, because you came up talking about change. I know you weren't here last week. You're in Florida still, right? You're back from Florida. Good to have you back. And uh, I preached last week on change. And... Then this week, I'm going to preach on change again and, and transformation. Some of this will be, ah, you weren't here last week. You thought you were going to get away from that sermon, and that sermon's going to chase you down. It's here. So now the, um, some of the stuff will be repeat, and that's okay. It's good to repeat stuff. But the Lord was wanting me to teach or help us to learn how do we change. Have you ever been stuck with the Lord? You ever had a place in your life where you're stuck? As a pastor or just a Christian, I meet people all the time that are stuck. They just can't seem to grow, or they get in a problem or a situation, and they can't overcome. And it's not even the, the trial itself, because when Paul was in prison, he overcame. The book of Philippians was written by the apostle Paul, I believe, out of prison. He was in prison. A lot of Jeremiah was written when Jeremiah was in prison or in a dungeon, thrown in a mud pit, some of the language there. But Paul said when he was in prison, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our victory comes from the Lord and with the Lord, not first in our circumstances. The Lord always deals in our heart. We believe with our heart. Someone say amen. We believe with our heart. It's good to think. We're learning on Tuesday nights. We need to love God with all our minds. It's good to think. We believe in using the minds. We study doctrine. We study the Bible with our, with our minds. But we believe with our hearts. I always, the word cardia is the Greek word, and I always look at the heart as being that place right, where your spirit meets your will or your mind, and you make all those decisions in your heart. Amen. If you're a Christian, you're born again. And the word says you're complete already. The work's done. It's finished. You're a brand new person. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything's new. 
But how many know we still have change that needs to be done in our lives? It's complete in the Lord, but we got to walk this thing out. And Charlie, that word that you use is transformation. How is the person transformed? How do we get unstuck? I think it was a lady, and I, you might have listened to her. Jenny Allen wrote a book, and it was called uh, Stuck. Uh, anybody ever heard of her? Yeah, some, some, stuck. Just people get, I actually read that book. I'm like, how do you get unstuck? Folks, the Lord does not want you stuck in your trial or your test or your seeming limitation. Your circumstances is not what has you stuck. It's not your husband that has you stuck or your boyfriend or your job or your boss or your circumstance. There's a battle going on to deflect you, reject you, and take you away from God's plan. How many this week have had plenty to worry about or, or, or have sensed uh, maybe a, <clears throat> a rejection in your life or a temptation or something that's trying to distract you from following Jesus? A few of us. I probably get opportunities daily to get deflected off of my task, to get distracted from what the Lord has for me. We're in a battle. If Satan cannot take you to hell, and there is a hell, it's a clear doctrine of the Bible. It's not where God wants you to go. God didn't prepare hell for you. The word says he prepared it for the devil and his angels. And if he can't take you to hell, he wants to neutralize your life and make you ineffective for God. No fruit. The Lord wants you to be fruit-bearing, to live a life of purpose and meaning, which brings real joy to your life. I've been to parties and been empty. How about you? I've been on vacations in exotic places and thought there has to be more. I've played games weeks on end and thought, can this be all there is to life? It's only when we're in our purpose with the Lord that we get that real sense of joy and accomplishment and purpose. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to talk about this. Last week I said the process of life is the process of... Who said that? Who got that right? I got some people listening last week. I was listening yesterday, Bo. The process of life is the process of exchange. If you are saved today in this room, by the grace of God, that's how you got saved. And if you are saved, it, it came because you made an exchange with God. You walked down an altar, or you bowed your head, or stood up. You did something somewhere where you told the Lord, and I'll tell you, how, when I prayed the prayer, that old pastor, he uh, told me, he said, you're a sinner, so he told me, and I was a sinner. I was a sinner. And he said, you need the Lord. And I, I did need the Lord. The smartest thing I ever did was agree with God. Yeah, I am a sinner. Man, there was so much evidence of it in my life. But I went down and I made an exchange with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll give you my life. Just save me from the mess I've made. Just save me, Lord. And folks, for me, it was an unconditional surrender. Lord said, you need me, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you know you are. My heart started pounding in my chest, I raised my hand, and in great fear, 
Almost didn't go because I was so afraid, but in great fear, I went down. Now, this was um, a full gospel church called Charismatic. There's different names for it. And they used to take you in a room like this side room. And after I made that altar call, it was a guy that laid hands on me to receive the Holy Spirit. And to my great surprise, I received the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got filled with this old sinner. I was the worst sinner in the room. I'm convinced of it. Sitting out in that congregation, I'm convinced I was the worst guy there. I don't want to tell you all my sins because it's embarrassing. I don't think anybody in this room, at least right now, is doing the things that I was doing. I would be embarrassed to tell you the things I did. I was one of the worst, if not the worst guy in the room. And I went down to an altar and I prayed a prayer. And they took me in the room and laid hands on me. And God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. An undeserving, unworthy, guilty, condemned sinner. And I came out of that room... And I was different. I didn't try to quit smoking. Sometimes there's a process. The process of life is process of exchange. Sometimes there's a process in that. Didn't someone tell me they gave up smoking? Somebody out there. You just, someone else just, but someone just gave it up. You just gave it up. A couple of my, who else? Someone told me they just gave it up. Don't have to embarrass yourself. And someone else told me they gave up drinking. I don't want to point you out. If you want to raise your hand, you can. There you go. You too. I knew it was you too. I remember you telling me that. That's because God's working in their life. Eric, I know you've been giving stuff up. They weren't able to do it on their own. Amen. That's why I don't ever want to eliminate this grace part of it because for me, it was not strenuous effort. It was an exchange that I made. God did all the heavy lifting and I did all the receiving. I was crying. Charlie, I admire the fact that you cry. Bo, I admire the fact that you guys cry all the time when you preach. And t- I want to cry more. Say, Lord, give me more tears up here. Yeah. I was kind of crying when you proposed to her. That touched me. I went back in that room and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I gave up cigarettes without, a, without even, a, I didn't lift a finger. Threw my strolls away, took my Playboys and got rid of them. Sorry, I don't want to be crass. I was a sinner. And God turned me on fire for Jesus. But man, I had a lot to learn. The thing is, although a lot of external things changed in my life, the harder thing to change was my hard-headed head. Amen? I had to change the way I thought. And I had to change the way... And so I did start making these exchanges with God as God began to work in my life. Listen to the process in, don't turn there, but in Philippians 2.13, the word says, God is at work in you. Write it down on your notepad so you can look at it later. God, if you're a believer, God is at work in you to will. That means he'll change your will and to do. I like one translation that says, God is at work in you to will, to be willing, and to act. God is. When you open your heart to God and you allow God to penetrate into your heart, He will work a willingness in you to will and to do. I believe it's chapter 13 of Hebrews where Paul writes that that great shepherd of the sheep 
Jesus Christ, he's working in you to make you willing. He's making you willing to obey the Lord. One of the great aspects of our salvation, when we surrender our life to the Lord and we really make that exchange, God will make you want to, if you let him. Well, how do people get stuck? When we get stuck is when we stop. We stop, it really, I'm going to get to that. You jump two, two points ahead. That's good. Now, you're right. I could just stop. That's right. Let's pray. That's right. Let's pray. It really has to do with our hearts and what we're believing. And that's why the battle is always for your heart, because Satan's always trying to get your believer wrong. He wants you to think that God's your problem. That's one huge thing where he deceives. Some people love God anyway, but he wants you to think God's your problem. I'm going to read this scripture, Jeff, so I, so I, I get it on on record. 2 Corinthians 3. I have to give a little context. So let's, uh, let's go with verse, um, we'll start with verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was temporary or what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Sister Ashley, it's their heart. That's where the veil is. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When one turns to the Lord, Jesus, the veil's taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being Charlie, transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord or by the Lord who is the Spirit. This is a supernatural transaction and a supernatural walk from beginning to end. We don't start by faith and pick up works along the way. We don't start by grace and earn it along the way. But there is a response and an opening of the heart to God. If we get stuck, it's because we quit interacting with God. Or we decide we don't want to take that next step. We lock in to an area of our life that we're not willing to let the Lord make us willing. The Holy Spirit starts working and showing you many things happen instantly, many mind renewal, change of life, getting courage. And it, folks, listen, it's not all about the negative. It's not about you just quit drinking or, or just read. It's about changing and becoming love. God is love. It's becoming like God. It's allowing that, that to change, to drop a habit, really, honestly, it's quite easy learning how to walk in mercy and grace and forgiveness and literally loving the people that are against you, that is supernatural. 
To love people that don't like you, that's supernatural. You can't do it on your own. It's unnatural. It's human. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, things change. I've told you many times when I get into situations where I don't know what to do or I'm getting oppressed or depressed or something's coming at me, I have to go into my room and look into that mirror at Jesus. I was talking to a pastor this week and I said, I refuse to allow contamination in my heart. I refuse to. I I won't allow any other human being to control me. I will not be bitter. We should all stand up and say that. I will not be bitter. Why should you let someone make you bitter? Oh, I don't want to talk about that, Lord. Help me. Politics. Whoop. (laughs) I won't let him make me bitter, Jesus. Lord, bless, bless our President Trump. Help him, Lord. Give him grace. I will not let people make me bitter or I refuse to walk in unforgiveness. The Bible says if we don't treat our wives right, our prayers are hindered. Did you know that? I refuse to let Pam hinder my prayers. No, I'm going to love her. I want my prayers getting answered. Didn't we have a miracle prayer answered? I wish we had time to give that. Oh, you ought to talk to Billy about a miracle prayer. A week ago, Thursday, we prayed. Wasn't that the craziest answer to prayer? Like, truly, truly uh, she'll have to give her testimony. A miracle answer. It was a miracle. Absolutely. Something that was literally impossible to happen, happened. Amen? And it happened in a weird way. God answered our prayer, our prayer. So I won't let stuff get in there. Pam's easy to love. We know that. But other things, big thing. If I'm doubting, full of unbelief, skepticism, I'm going to get in my prayer closet. I may have to fast. I may have to dig deeper. I may have to spend time in the Word, but I am going to do something to change my heart so I'm walking in fellowship. I am not going to be pushed off by the devil. I want to walk in the promised land. I want to eat the grapes. I want to see people getting saved. I want to see this church grow. I want to see you guys change. I want to see you develop in the Lord. I want to see you become more than conquerors. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you overcome. I want to see you have the victory. I want to see you prophesying. I want to see you with the gifts of the Spirit. And I want to see you raising the dead. Amen? I want to see your family saved. I want you to come. I don't care if all of you come in with the Cadillac next week. I want you to have some victory. If I drive a Volkswagen, just don't judge me. Amen? Honestly, that's the way the Lord's changing my heart. I get so much satisfaction now as a pastor seeing you get victory. And when you're struggling, I'll be honest, I struggle. I do, I struggle. Because I know you're struggling, and I pray about it. And some of these things are going to move. But if the Word of God says with God, all things are possible, then I know all the limitation is on my end. It's on my end. It has to be. If all things are possible with the Lord, that means nothing's incurable. If all things are possible, that means no disease is incurable. No lost loved one is unsavable. No mountain cannot be moved. I don't blame God for those things. 
God put the power in us. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The power is in us. And he want, he, He's a father. I'm, I'm a granddad. I love my granddaughter getting up here doing tap dancing. Do you think I wanted her to fail? I wanted her to fall on her face to get a life lesson? I wanted that girl to tap dance right off the stage in the air. I was so proud of her. I am for her. If she falls and gets hurt, I'll have to give her a life lesson. Amen? And I'm willing to do that, but I want her to succeed just like God wants you to succeed. In the Lord, in your life, in the purpose that you were created for. And since you are created in the image of God, God doesn't make failures. I hope you get the tackle record in Marietta. And I hope when you do and they give you a trophy, you give Jesus the glory for it. Because it'd be a miracle. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. It would be incredible, though. Give God the glory for it. What's wrong with giving God the glory? Amen? You parents out there, God says He's a father. You want your kids to succeed. Let's be honest. You don't want them sick, depressed, despite. You want them to succeed. They're going to go through trials, and you have to prepare them for trials in life because they're going to go through trials. Things are going to happen with your kids that are going to be hard to take, and you got to prepare them for hardship. We go through hardship. They're going to, but your heart for them is that they would succeed, that they would do well, that they would accomplish the purpose and task that God put them on this earth to fulfill. Amen? And I am convinced our adversary, the devil, life itself, comes in, and I'm telling you, these obstacles and these things getting in your way are sent there to block you from becoming all God's created you to be. You can't beat love on two feet. If you crucify love, it's going to raise from the dead. If you stone a man that's sold out to God... He's going to, on the outskirts of the city, and you throw him on a dump heap, he's going to get up, walk right back in, and preach in that city. Because no weapon formed against that man or that woman can prosper. The weapons that prosper in our lives are the ones that we allow to prosper. Paul wrote Philippians in jail. I think he did, did good. Listen to this. I'm going to read out of James. I'm going to run out of time, but I've I got to get a few things in, then I'll end. Is anybody bored? Oh, I could just take off. Verse uh, 20, chapter 1. I'll, I'll read verse 20 because it's so good. Now I'll read verse 19 because it's so good. Actually, I could read verse uh, 12 because it's really good. I could probably go chapter 1, verse 1, just start there, because it's all so good. Who doesn't love James? In fact, uh, Hebrews 13, we could start. Okay, I'll go with verse 19. So then, he's making a point, guys, about God's goodness and how we're born again by God. He says, my beloved brethren, that's sisters, brothers, let every man... Every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen. Would that be a good song? Someone needs to write a song. I can almost hear it. The wrath, a country western song. The wrath, I, can't, I don't quite have it, but someone needs to write. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, lay aside. See this process? I'm talking about the process of life is the process of exchange. Transformation, there's exchange going on. It's not just negative, it's positive. He says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay it aside and receive. This is the heart. Receive with meekness the engrafted word implanted in you, which is able to save your soul. It's able to save your life. It's able to put you on the right path. It's able to bring deliverance to you. It's able to, to turn things upside down. When you're going one way, it's able to take you another way. It's able to deliver you. The Word of God implanted in your heart is able to save your soul. But be you doers of the Word, and don't just be hearers deceiving your own selves. Does anyone's translation say deceiving your own heart? Or do they all say selves? Okay. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. I have down here, 2 Corinthians 3.18. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he or she who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and does not forget is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what they do. Now, I could go further on that. I'll stop there. When we're looking at Jesus in the Spirit, when we're looking in the Word, in the Spirit, I mentioned last week that God is interacting with us. God is working in our lives. God's bringing transformation. What was that game you gave up? Clash of Clans, you didn't give it up totally, but you changed, you changed your time. The Clash of Clans, you, you gave that testimony how the Lord had you reprioritize the Clash of Clans. He was playing a game. God said, hey, I want you to read your Bible in the morning. Was that it? I, you know, and that's a transaction going on. Some of you, I, I don't know about you, but some of us have had times where I've spent too much time on social media, and the Holy Spirit says, wouldn't you rather spend time with me, Brad? You notice how every time you get po political, you start getting snarky and angry? Boy, there's a lot to be angry about out there. I mean, I've got to pray for President Trump. You should be praying for him. God's going to rescue him. Well, don't go there. God says, Brad, you ought, you ought to focus over here. I posted this week on, on Facebook, speaking of social media, how what I learned, the more time that I spend with God, when I'm getting filled up with God... I notice that my, what I'm, when I start looking at Jesus, when I start spending time in the Word, when I start, start spending time with the Lord, all of a sudden my motives change, my attitude changes, the things that I want out of life changes, money becomes less important, God's glory becomes more important, lost sinners become more important than maybe some hobbies I have. Things start shifting and changing because I'm changing my temporary values for things that are eternal and that are forever. I'm letting go of some temporary and I'm grabbing a hold of some eternal. And the more I do, the more excited I get. The more the Holy Spirit starts moving in me. I have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophecy flowing because I'm flowing with the Almighty Creator. God is working in my life and there's nothing better than to have the Creator of the universe working through your spirit. Amen? Oh, I love it when people get healed when we pray. I love it when people get saved or encouraged when the Lord's working in our lives. But the process of life is the process of exchange. 
And many times, folks, it's not just sin, it's positive things. God wants to produce great love in your life. He wants to bring great peace into your life. In the midst of any trial or circumstance, he wants to build great. But these are exchanges. You have to exchange your worry and your fretting and the things that you've been doing your whole life, and you've got to give that up and say, God means it. When he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, God means it. Or you can just be a worry wart. Amen? Or you can just be a worry wart. And that's up to you. There's an interaction with the Lord. When Jesus met the rich young ruler, and I'm going to end, I can't go into my whole, where's Ken at? He's always, he says I mentioned him a lot last week. He made this guy the greatest offer in the universe. He said, if you'll let go of what's in your hand. And there was a reason why he asked for his money. That guy was trifling with Jesus. He, he went to Jesus like Jesus was a good teacher. He didn't go to Jesus like Jesus was God. He wanted another rabbi or another good, another good teacher. He wasn't expecting to encounter the Son of God who had the power to command him. And that's you, by the way. When you go to the Son of God, you're not going to a good teacher you're going to the Son of God, and He has the authority to command you in your life. Yeah. You know, with the call of God, anytime God ever calls you, in the call of God, the grace to obey is in the call. Did you know that? If God's called you to do something, the grace to obey is in that call. Peter said to Jesus, hey, bid me to come. Why didn't he just walk on the water? You ever thought about that? Why didn't Peter just walk on the water? He said, Jesus, bid me to come. He knew there was power in the call of Jesus. Jesus said, come. And the power to walk on the water was in Jesus saying, come. The guy that had the shriveled hand, Jesus said, stretch out your hand. The grace was in the command. That guy could, could have backed away out of fear and not stretched out his hand. The command, get up and walk, the grace was in the command. God gives you commands. He does, because he, he gives me commands, and I'm just like you are. The command of God, stop doing that. There's power in the command. Amen. Legalism is you coming up with the list of 10 things to do to be better. Right? Grace is listening to Jesus. We call it walking in the Spirit when God talks to you. I, I've long ago, and I'm still in this process of letting people go, I know everyone in this room belongs to the Lord. They don't belong to me. I'm, a pa I'm your pastor if you're here, and I'm listening to the Lord. But ultimately, my prayer for you is that you are listening to the Lord. I want you to become all that God has for you to become, and I don't know what that looks like. You ain't me. I don't know the grace that God wants to pour into your life. I have no idea how He wants to use you. Maybe some of you I do more than others. It's transactional. And I'll say this, and I'll end. And if you'll read, write this down. If you will read in Hebrews 3, uh, chapter 3, toward the end, the problem was always, the problem with people is always, the writer of Hebrews says, is they err in their hearts. They got a veil 
over their eyes or their minds. They're not seeing the big picture. They're not seeing the grace of God. They're not seeing what God wants to do in their life. They're not seeing God's grace as it's coming. And then they refuse to make that exchange and they stay like they are. You stay stuck. You say, God, if you change my husband, I'll be different. I promise. No. God's saying, if you'll change and you'll love your husband, submit to him like the word says, I'll change him. He said, if my wife changes, then I'll be nice, I'll be kind, I'll do better, I'll love my wife. If she changes, God says, no, I died for my bride. I want you to lay down your life. Then she'll change. It's an exchange. You know, you want to complain, you want to stay in this, not you, you guys aren't that way, most of you, right? I hope you're not. You say, I can't do it. The grace is in the command. The grace is in the word. Put your, put your spirit, put your heart right back in the word. Spend more time with the Lord and pray for his mercy. Bible says, go to the throne of grace so you can obtain mercy. You're a child of God. Nothing can stop you when you're walking in, in the... Not, nothing can stop you when you're walking in God. Nothing. Nothing. Don't let the devil get you stuck, folks. Get rid of it. I'm going to pray this prayer. If you're here today and you've never made an eternal exchange with the Lord, I'm going to trust that the grace of God is in the call. You say, Brother Brad, I do not know that I've ever made that exchange with the Lord and given my life to the Lord, but I want to give my life. I want to make an exchange. I'm a sinner. And I'm separated from God. And I need to give my life to the Lord. And I want to. And I'm willing to do that today. If that's you, can I see your hand? It's heaven and hell. It's life and death. And it's not a game. You're an eternal person. If that's you, I'd love to see your hand. I want to pray with you. And I want you to begin this journey with God today. Are you out there? I normally don't prolong these calls. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. The word says that life is a vapor. It appears for a little while. No one is promised tomorrow. And if you've never made that exchange, no one can make you do it. No one can make you give your life to the Lord. But if you want to make that exchange today and give your life to the Lord, I need to see your hand because I want to pray with you. Say, Brother Brad, I...